thank you so much for your generosity. So many of you have collected boxes, you've filled them, you've, take, you've brought them back to us. Thank you so much. You're literally making a difference to the lives of people all over the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Well, hello, Harborside. Are we doing well this morning? Awesome. I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. Welcome to all of you who are watching online. Maybe you're in Michigan or you're in Chicago or Indiana. Uh, whenever it's sub 70 degrees here in Florida, it's turtleneck weather. So um, welcome. <laughs> I'm taking a chance. I'm like, what? 66? Let's go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Today, I want to talk to you about something that really the Lord has put on my heart seven weeks ago. About seven or eight weeks ago, God started speaking to me. And um, I was thinking about this particular date, November the 14th, knowing that we would be in our Unlock series. And the Unlock series exists because in the area of our finances, a lot of times we can get locked up. And so we've been in this series, and I knew I would be speaking on this, on this topic in November. And so I'm like, man, what, what could I possibly cover that hasn't been covered already? And so I started praying and just asking God, and man, I just kept hearing this one word, trust. It just kept popping up, trust. And you know how when you're thinking of a car or you're thinking of something, no matter where you look, you see it. So I, I was just driving around. I'd see bumper stickers that say trust. I, I, I would see billboards that say trust. I, I go to the, uh, a restaurant and the waitress's name is trust. Like it, it's just everywhere, <laughs> everywhere I looked and I turned. And so I'm like, all right, God, I, I think you're speaking to me here. I think you have something to say to me. But what on earth does trust have to do with money? I mean, why, why trust? I mean, I'm, I'm in this unlocks. Why trust? Why trust? And I kept going and going and going. And then I realized that the word trust happens to be on just about, oh, you remember these things are called bills, dollar bills? <laughs> I know we use cards now, but <laughs> this was our currency. And then I looked and I'm like, oh, it has everything to do with money. Trust is literally on every piece of currency that we have here in the United States. And actually, since 1956, when Congress passed a joint resolution that changed our national model, by the way, to In God We Trust, and also placed this phrase on all of our U.S. currency. So in God we trust. So on every dollar that we have earned, will earn, or currently possess, God, us, and trust are all on every piece of currency that we have. So there is something with trust and there is something with money. And so what I did as I asked the Lord, Lord, help me, uh, sh show me what your word has to say about trust. What does the Bible have to say about trust? And so I went to the book of Proverbs and I, I was reminded of a passage of scripture that I've heard many, many times and you may have heard it before. It's Proverbs chapter three and verse five. And it says this, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Now the interesting thing about when we read the scriptures and when we see words like trust is a lot of times we may misunderstand what God is actually saying. You see, when you take a word like trust, in our society, we understand and we know what that means, but I think the way that we use trust is a little differently than the way that God speaks about trust. For, for example, all of us in the room, we have an Uncle Bob. 
Maybe his name is an Uncle Bob, but you have that relative who is absolutely the handy person. I mean, you've got that relative that is excellent at handiwork. Your hot water heater goes out, you're calling Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob knows what to do, can fix it right up, right away. But let's imagine this is next week and you're on a flight and you're sitting with Uncle Bob and you get on the plane and um, you're about to take off and the pilot comes over the radio and he says, uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we are here waiting on the tarmac here. We're having some mechanical issues with the airline. And uh, in about three to five business days, somebody will come out and fix it. Um, you can't leave and the restrooms are out of order. God bless. Um, <laughs> let's say that happens. And Uncle Bob's just sitting there next to you. And Uncle Bob unbuckles the seatbelt, says... I got this. Probably just the alternator. <laughs> Uncle Bob, I love you. <laughs> Uncle Bob, I trust you. But Uncle Bob, you can't fix this airplane, right? <laughs> because here's what's interesting. Our definition of trust is, is variable. I, I, I trust you, but I really do trust you with one thing. I don't trust you explicitly. I, I trust you, and when I say I trust you, it, it's, it's for different areas and different levels and different phases as well, too. And I think this is where, when we're reading the scriptures, we can miss so much of what God is trying to say because a lot of times we read the scriptures and we understand it in our context and not his context. And a lot of times when we're reading the scriptures, it's completely different than our culture. I mean, I've said this, I've agreed with it, that heaven is like an upside down kingdom. And so it's kind of weird. Everything's flipped upside down. Um, The more I read the scriptures and I think about it, heaven was here first. So it's probably right side up and our world is upside down. But either way, we're not properly oriented with what God is trying to say to us. For example, we like to proclaim our acts of generosity and giving and hide our sin. But the Bible says to confess your sin and hide your generosity. And so here we are, and we have this struggle to try to understand what God is meaning when he speaks to us through his scriptures. My friends, orienting with heaven is the key to being unlocked. We have to align our mind, our thoughts, our culture to his so we can properly understand what God is trying to say to us. So let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3, and let's read verses 5 and 6 just one more time. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So quite simply, when God speaks about trust— Biblical trust means to trust God with everything and in everything. It's not a variable trust. It's a trust that you place in the Lord, that you are going to trust him in everything and with everything. So that's the bar. But before we even talk about how do we get there and how do we do this, I think it's important for us to address maybe sometimes why we lose trust. And if we're honest, we've maybe at some point in our lives lost trust in God because God let us down. We we were praying, we were believing, and what we were praying and believing for did not happen. We were hoping, we were seeking, 
and what we were hoping and seeking did not happen. And if I'm honest, I've prayed prayers in my life that went a lot like this. I kind of wrote out my list of demands. And then at the bottom, I forged Jesus's signature in Jesus' name. And now I've got this contract with the Lord that says, God, this is what you said you were going to do in Jesus' name. No, God didn't let you down because he didn't do what he said. He let you down because he didn't do what you said. And a lot of times we now, because this contract is broken, we use God to run from God. But today we're going to see that the trust that we can place in the Lord, it really isn't just for God's benefit. It really is to bless you and overwhelm you with his generosity. It is to overwhelm you with good things, thanksgiving, peace, and rest. That's why the Lord asks you to trust him. So how do we trust God with everything and in everything, even though sometimes we may lose that little bit of trust with the Lord? Well, you know what's interesting is this unconditional trust, this idea, this thought for unconditional trust, it's something that we kind of already do. For example, when it comes to money, um, how many times has money let you down? I mean, how many times have you thought, you know what, once I earn this amount of money, I can get the girl, you know, or once I earn (laughs) this amount of money, I can get the peace. Once I earn this amount of money, it'll bring my family close together. Once I earn this amount of money, now I can finally rest. And what you find is that there's no amount of money that's enough to bring you any of those things. If you don't have a million dollars, you think it's a million dollars. If you don't have a hundred million, you think it's a hundred million. If you don't have a hundred million, maybe you think it's a billion. Ask Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. They're at war right now trying to beat each other. There's no amount of money that can actually give you and bring you the things that you're looking for and seeking for. But yet our whole society continues to trust in the money. So we're running to money and our money's pointing back to God. You know, it's very interesting that a lot of times it's very easy to live this Christian life when things are going wonderfully. When things are going magnificently, no issues, no problem, life is good, easy to put our trust in the Lord, no problem. But sometimes it does get difficult. Now, there's no one in this earth, past, present, or future, who had to endure more hard times than Jesus Christ. There's nobody else. So if we're going to take and glean from this example of how do we now live this life of trusting in the Lord, we've got to look at Jesus because we need to understand where to place our trust. I can say I trust my barber, Gus, who's amazing, by the way. I think he's watching. What's up, Gus? Thanks for the lineup. That was great. Um, (laughs) I can say I trust Gus all that I want, but if I never go sit in his chair, do I really trust him? So it's not about just having it, it's placing it. So where do we place our trust? If it shouldn't be on money, where do we place it? I believe Jesus spoke to us very clearly and illustrated, showed us, modeled exactly where we're supposed to place our trust. This is, the, this is really the last few moments of Jesus's life. This is before he goes through trial and he's arrested and he gets crucified. This is the moment right before all of that happens and Jesus is feeling the weight of what he's about to walk through. And he goes into this garden and he prays this prayer. We find about it in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. And it says, 
Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. What Jesus was saying in that moment is, God, if there's any other way for me to do what I need to do without going through what I have to go through, great, take this cup from me. But he keeps going. He says, but yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood. And so here Jesus is in this moment, and he knows what he's about to endure. And this isn't just something simple or little. He is about to be arrested, mocked, ridiculed, spat on. His beard is about to be plucked out. A crown of thorns will be placed on his head, a club. He'll be hit over the head repeatedly once that crown is put on his head. He'll be whipped and marred pierced. And you have to understand, I I was talking to a friend of mine just a few weeks ago about this, and he had such an interesting take. He said, you know, it would have actually been easier for the people who were persecuting Jesus for Jesus to just die in the middle of the night. It would have been great for Jesus to just die on the road. That, That would have been awesome. There would have been no spectacle, no rhyme or reason, no nothing. He just dies in the middle of the night. So them whipping him, the amount of lashes that they gave him, that wasn't just a punishment. That was attempted murder. They really didn't want Jesus to be crucified. They just wanted him to die. And so what we see in this moment is Jesus knows all the pain and anguish that he's about to face. But he chooses to place his trust in the will of God and God strengthens him to be able to endure what no man can endure in their own strength. Wow. You know, I'm reminded about a time in my life where I had to deal with a lot of pressure. I had to deal with a lot of pressure. Um, I had just got a promotion, and that would mean I would have to be the first one to show up, the last to leave. And if I'm honest, that was a lot of pressure for a fifth grader. (laughs) I I, I became a safety patrolman. (laughs) Oh, any other fellow officers in the room? All right, let's go. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I, I became a safety patrolman. And, um, and through the course of that year of being on the safety patrols, I moved up to sergeant, and then I moved up to lieutenant, and then I was eventually captain. I was chief of the snitches. I mean, that's really all that was. It was awesome. Safety patrols is just a brilliant idea. Get t- kids to tell on each other. That's awesome. It's brilliant. Um, and so I was the captain. And what was so interesting about being the captain is now I didn't just have my direct responsibilities or zones. Now I had to oversee all the other safety patrols who were around. And so I would go, and if they weren't doing something right, I would write them up. And almost every single time, I was like, no, please, please, I'll do it better next time. No, 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 please. And unfortunately, my response was the same. It was like, I am so sorry, but this is not up to me. Um, I, I have to write you up. And if you don't like this, you can take it up with the principal, but, but I don't have a choice in this matter. You know, what if we fought our battles and prayed from that place? What if every time we approach the anxiety that's living in the halls of our lives, the depression that seems to sneak into our rooms, the addiction that's been in our family for generations. What if we approach that with, listen, I I know you're in the halls right now, but you see, this is what God has said. And so whether you like it or not, you have to bow 
But you can go to God and talk, speak to him about it. But this is what God has said will happen today and now. What if we prayed from that place? What if we prayed with the will of the Lord? What if we understood that our lives were meant to have our trust and place that trust in the will of the Lord? Now everything else that goes against that will of God must bow. That's what's available to us. That is what is available to us. No amount of money can buy that. No amount of money can buy that. What if we lived our lives that way? You know, if this was a prosperity gospel message, what I'd be telling you is that as soon as you put your trust into the will of the Lord, everything works out great. But if I look at just the Bible and I look at Jesus, as soon as he decided to trust in God, all hell broke loose in his life. So the gospel is not about once you trust God, everything works out. There's nothing, no problems, no issues. You're not going to be hurt. You're not going to be attacked or anything like that. No, 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 no. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not a prosperity gospel. It's a conquering gospel. What the gospel of Jesus Christ says is that when, not if, when those things happen, you now have power because of the will of the Lord to overcome those things. Because of the gospel, you can overcome what tries to come over you. So many of our pains, our issues, our struggles are because we are fighting the battles that Jesus has already won. Once we understand that we have an opportunity to place the trust that we have into the will of the Lord. Okay, God, I am choosing to trust you. What is your will for my family? What is your will for my life? What is your will for my business? What is your will for my career? Now you approach things totally different. And if I'm honest, we could end it right here. Trust in the will of God. Amen. That's it. Let's pray. You can beat the rush to first watch. Hallelujah. If, if I'm honest, if I'm honest, I'm sneaking out the back and beating you guys, by the way. If I'm, if I'm honest, we can stop there. That, that, that's enough. That, that would be enough for us to live a great, wonderful, conquering life. But, but God doesn't even stop there. He is so generous that it actually doesn't stop there. Let's go back and read Proverbs 3, starting at verse 5, but let's read the, couple, the next couple of verses after verse 6. But let's start at verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Let's look at the next verse. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And what that, that, is, that is the will of God. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't try to do this yourself. Don't try to just power through this thing. Yeah, it's going to take willpower. No, it's going to take the power of his will. Don't, don't, don't try to do it on your own. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So if we stop right there. So now we're clearly seeing that the Bible is telling us to trust in the Lord and he will make our path straight. And then his will is don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil because this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. If you're going through 
anything right now where you need a healing, I would mark this verse, I would circle it, whatever it is, I would circle that right there and read that verse in context. Let's read the next verse though. The next verse says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Now it's not just talking about your health, but it is talking about your wealth. You see how the prosperity thing gets a little twisted. God is speaking about your healing and your body, and he's also speaking about your stuff too. He really, really, truly is. And as a matter of fact, this concept of first fruits or tithing, Kirk covered this uh, December, or I'm sorry, October 31st. You can go back two weeks and you can watch that online. It is excellent. It is excellent. That's what the Lord is talking about right now. But when you go to the next verse, it says this, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. When we take this portion of the scriptures in context, there's a flow. There's a pattern. There's a rhythm. Trust in the will. And then it gives you the examples. If you do my will, if you can trust in my will, here's what happens. So you trust in the will of God, but then it talks about being filled as well too. So I trust in the will and then I'm filled. And when the Bible talks about being filled, it doesn't just stop there. It talks about being filled to overflowing. Where? Where do we fill? Where are we filled to overflowing? It literally says your barns and your vats. We don't talk like that. Um, We don't say vats on the (laughs) typical day. What this is basically meaning is where is your stuff? Where is your wealth? The things that you're working for, the things that you're working towards, where are you storing that? That's what it's talking about. Those are your barns. Those are your vats. So if I took that from thousands of years ago and I brought that into the context of today, this would be what? Your savings account, your money market account, your investments. Is it your business? Um, That's what he's talking about here. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing. That's what he's talking about. But there's a whole process before that. Before you're overflowing, before you're ever overflowing, you need to learn to place that trust into the will of God. I think a lot of times we try to skate around that and just get to the overflowing, but there is a process. And I think a lot of times where we may have gotten it wrong is we think that we're trusting God for the stuff when no, God wants, to tr- God wants us to trust him. God wants you to trust him. Why? Because he wants to fill you to overflowing. That's why. God wants you to trust him so he can fill you to overflowing. It's the heart of a father to bless his kids generously. No one here with kids, after their kids had done such a good job and done exactly what they were supposed to do, withhold any amount of blessings for them. We, we understand this concept in our lives, though. Think about your will. Think about your document, your will, that establishes what happens to your stuff when you die. Think about that. That will has nothing to do with what you get. That will has everything to do with what you give. All of us here on this earth will have to make the decision to give all of our stuff away. Whether you decide or you let the government and the courts decide and probate, whatever it is, at the end of it all, you have to give it away. In the same instance, God's will is not about what he gets. It's about what he gives. Our lives as Christians is not a list of things that we can't do. 
It's actually a step in a process for God to do what you can't do. That's why we trust in the will of the Lord. It doesn't matter how greedy or stingy or locked up someone is. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how they live their lives, building everything in their wealth for just their stuff. It really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, they have to be generous. It doesn't matter how locked up you are or how locked up your boss is or how locked up your neighbor is. It really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, generosity is not a suggestion. Generosity is the curtain call. You must be generous no matter who you are at the end of your life. You see, this is where I feel like heaven has properly oriented and earth has properly oriented because it's always the will of God to be generous, to give, to give. That's why he doesn't just fill you. He fills you to overflowing so you can give and give and give and give. Who's waiting on you to trust God so you can overflow in their lives? Who's waiting for you and begging that you would trust God so that you can overflow into their lives? Business owners in the rooms, your employees, fathers, mothers, your kids, friends, family, aunts, uncles. People are depending on you to overflow. They are depending on you to overflow. You know, when I, I, I think about someone who has overflown, a person who is just absolutely generous, a person who lived their lives trusting in God. I can think of no greater or better example than my grandmother. And my grandmother is a doll. She is amazing. And there's actually a picture of her coming up right now. Um, That's me in my dad's suit, by the way. That's why it's a little big. And um, (laughs) this was a Sunday morning. And we uh, we were about to go to church. And my mom said, hey, let me take the picture of you two. And right when she snapped the picture, I leaned over and laid one on my grandma. That's why she's smirking like that. She didn't see it coming. Uh, My grandmother, we could all leave today, go to her house. Everyone would be full and taken care of. She's always got enough for guests. She's an absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing woman. Uh, But she's tough. She's tough. You don't tell her what to do. You just kind of hang on uh, to my grandma. Uh, An example of that is when my sister got married years ago, we had her escorted by one of my cousins, and we told her, we said, Grandma, all you have to do is just walk straight down the aisle, and there's going to be a seat for you. We'll have you sit down. That's all you do, just walk and sit down. But once my grandmother started walking and she looked at the audience that she had and the camera phone started coming out, she said, oh, this is my moment. So this is a, a video of her walking down the aisle at my sister's wedding. Because you don't tell that woman what to do. You just hang on. That's that's, that's all you do. Just hang on. Oh, man. And uh, it was was March of 2020. So last year, last March, right at the beginning of the pandemic and the lockdowns that we got a phone call from uh, my uncle. And he said, hey, um, your grandma is approaching really her last few days, maybe week of life. And so we need to all come together and as a family and, and just be there with her. And so my grandmother lived a long life, 94 years. 
And so we all, like our whole family, I mean, I had a cousin who uh, is in the Navy and he was in the middle of the ocean somewhere and somehow he found a way at the beginning of a pandemic to make it to Orlando, Florida. And so our whole family was there and we all spent days, everybody bought one-way tickets basically, and we all spent days waiting and praying and singing. Uh, My grandmother loved to dance obviously, but loved music and singing as well, sang her favorite hymns. And I'm, I'm forever marked by how she lived her life, but I'm, I'm really marked by, by how she ended her life. Um, it, this was really the last few moments of her living. And we, we all kind of knew. Uh, we had a live-in nurse that said, hey, this is, these are the last few moments. And my grandmother decided to get everybody in the room. She called all of her kids. Uh, So my mom and my aunts and my uncles uh, all came in the room. And at this point, she couldn't really speak. She wasn't really that responsive. Um, She's kind of fading in this consciousness and the next consciousness. So as she's fading back and forth, she has the presence of mind to start with one of my uh, uncles. And then she placed my mom's hand on top of her and then the next kid and the next child until everybody was connected. And this is one of the final images that we all saw of my grandmother. And she led this moment. She led this moment to connect everybody together. And I knew I was marked by that. I knew I was marked, by, but I didn't know why. I just knew I would never forget it, but I didn't know why until I spoke with my mother just a couple days ago. And I asked her, you know, why do you think, why do you think grandma did that? And she was like, well, uh, your grandmother was so generous, so giving, so joyful. And so she didn't just want to pray for each one of us. She wanted all of us to be connected together so that she could put her hand on top. This is as she's fading in this consciousness and the next consciousness. And I'm, I'm sure God was ready to take her home. Um, but again, you don't tell that woman what to do. You just kind of hang on, even if you're God Almighty, I guess. I think my grandmother saw something in heaven that she wanted to properly orient for her family here on earth. I, I think she saw the power of an overflown life. I think she saw the power of what one person could do. Years, years, decades of serving the Lord, decades of trusting the Lord, decades of submitting to the will of God, decades, building all of this equity in heaven. I think she saw that at that moment, if we could all get as close as we possibly can, she could just overflow from the top and let it flow through every generation of her family. She didn't care about the stuff she was leaving. We didn't care about the stuff she was leaving. In that moment, we don't care about what we're getting. We don't care about, we don't care about any of that. In that moment, we don't care about an inheritance at all, at all. She left an inheritance, but but she did also leave a legacy, which was more important. And what's the difference between the two? Well, an inheritance is what you leave for someone, but a legacy is what you leave in them. In that moment, she left something in us. 
And that mirrored why Jesus would place his trust in not his will, but the will of the Father, so that now every whip, every lash, every ridicule, every mocking, every beating had to bow to the will of the Father so he could get to the cross. Not just to leave us an inheritance. Yes, we have an inheritance, which is heaven, but also to leave us a legacy, which is the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus dying on the cross wasn't just so we could make it into heaven. Jesus dying on the cross was, those, was that so heaven could come to earth. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last week, we took a step as a church. Last week during the Meeting Place album, we took a step as a church. We worshiped, we recorded our, our, our next live album, but we had moments where we prayed for one another. We had moments where we stood and we laid hands on each other and we prayed over one another. This week, I'm gonna ask you to be bold again, but I'm gonna ask specifically those of you who are here and you need the Holy Spirit to overflow in your life. You need the Holy Spirit to overflow. You're a decision maker. You've got big decisions to make this week, this month, this year. In the near future, you have big decisions to make and you need to overflow with wisdom. It's not enough to just have your own. You need heaven's wisdom. You need to overflow. There's some of you here, you're dreading the holidays. Thanksgiving is coming up, you're dreading the holidays. And your family, whether they know it or recognize it or not, are depending on you to overflow with peace. They are depending on you to walk into that home, walk into that room, and bring peace to the family. They are depending on you to overflow. Your family is depending on you to overflow with worship. You need to overflow with worship. You need to overflow with worship. Your family is going apart, falling apart, and you're hanging on by your fingernails, and you need the Holy Spirit to overflow and worship in your life. You need that to happen. I'm speaking to certain people, specific people, where it's not just about wanting it, but you need it in the immediate future. I believe God spoke to me seven, eight weeks ago through bumper stickers and signs and waitress names, whatever it took, just so we could come to this moment to tell you that you can trust him. And you need to take the step today so we can all pour in, pray over you so that you are overflowing in all these areas of your life. I'm gonna ask you to stand when I count to three. These are the people that you need God to overflow. You can feel it, you know it's you. One, two, three, go ahead and stand up right now. We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna bless you. Amen, 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 amen. Now I wanna ask those of you who are around them, if you are their family members and you know them, you can stand with them, put your arm around them. Church family, look around you. You can get out of the aisles. Put, put, uh, stretch your hands out in their direction. And I want you to pray specifically about something. I want you to pray specifically that 
as loud as the anxiety, as loud as the concerns, as loud as the disbelief, as loud as the turmoil is in their lives, that the Holy Spirit would be louder that all of the things in their lives that are keeping them from living this overflowing life would bow, would bow, would bow. And as you pray, our team is just going to sing over you. Let this be a moment where you connect with the Lord. Your church family is here with you, and we are going to agree with you that the Holy Spirit will overflow in your life. Lord, in the different areas of their lives, in their faith, in their finances, in their worship, in their love for you, in their joy, in their peace, in their business, Lord, I ask that you will encounter every single person watching online who needs you to overflow in their lives. In the immediate future, they need you to overflow. Let every instance that fear comes in, doubt comes in, worry comes in, that trust is so much louder that they remember to trust you, trust you, and that they run to the word, run to the word so they can find your will. And now everything that's coming against them has to bow. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Awesome. It's fitting that we all end today with the Lord's Prayer. So let's just say that together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. give you the praise, we give you the honor, and we give you our trust. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.